Alright everybody, hello, hello. Uh, welcome back to Monsters of Design, the podcast where we use monsters to think about some of the problems we encounter in the design world. Uh, on today's episode, we talk with Chelsea Kinley, a product designer at YML. Uh, John, tell us a little bit about Chelsea. So Chelsea is a talented designer. Uh, I work with her uh, at YML, product design agency we're both at. And, you know, I've, I've had a really awesome time collaborating with her on a lot of projects for a number of clients. And through working with her, I actually found out that she is a very talented painter as well. And in the way that we've worked together in the past, I think we've, we've both sort of encountered this monster known as the hoverer that we're going to be talking about. And in some ways, I've probably been a little bit of a hover to her in working together. So I thought it'd be really awesome to bring her on and talk about this monster and to see if we could make some sense of it. Um, so yeah, today has been a little crazy. It's a Monday. It's pure chaos. Um, so there's a couple <laughs> things that are happening. Um, John forgot to press record and, uh, and then there was a spider that I lost my shit about and derailed the entire conversation so I can fret and scream. Um, and the spider returned several times, but through all that and despite all that, (laughs) we managed to have a somewhat productive conversation. Um, we talk about attack on Titan, uh, and we talk about how to have a relationship with this monster known as the Hoverer. Um, how do you have a relationship with this thing? You know, not just as an artist, but as a designer and a working professional. Mm-hmm. Um, and Chelsea offers some really invaluable insight that I'm going to be fucking thinking about for a minute now. Um, and with that, I think, uh, I think let's get into it. this contact lens that's popping a lot of attitude so there is like maybe a 70 percent chance this thing is just gonna eject from my eye at some point oh. and like <laughs> land on my i don't know i have this fear it's gonna like land on my cheek or something anyways so if i'm just like making weird blinky faces it's because of the contact lenses in my eyes i'm just gonna think that you're winking at me and i'm like <laughs> i got you <laughs> I'm on board. <laughs> Eyelashes are, are a monster. I, mine mine are like 17 feet long. They're, they're, they're actually like, they could functionally be like oars on a boat. <laughs> like they're just like too, it's, that's a lot. So with contact lenses and really long eyelashes, it's just, look, it's, it's, uh, it's painful to be this beautiful, but it's, uh, it's pain I'm willing to put up with. Anyways, Chelsea. Oh, hi. Welcome to Monsters of Design. Hello, hello, hello. Happy to be here. <laughs> how uh, how you doing today? I am doing good. I just had a busy day with work, um, so I'm wrapping that up, and I'm really excited to be talking with you guys ah! about this new monster. <laughs> yeah, I saw the attack on... T- okay, yes, I... <laughs> we'll get, we'll, we'll, before we get to Attack on Titan, 
I mean, maybe we just dive into Attack on Titan right now. I don't know. Is, <laughs> is it? Is it worth That's the whole podcast? Right. It's just like. Um, so one of the things uh, we want to try out here on the Mod Pod is asking people about their favorite monsters. And it could be anything. It could be a monster uh, that we see in film or television um, that we've a monster we've read about, um, a monster that's in like an old school fable, um, any sort of monster. Um, so Chelsea, with that in mind, uh, what's your favorite monster? Okay, so Zeke is my favorite monster, and um, if you are an Attack on Titans fan, Zeke is actually the Bigfoot Sasquatch uh, Titan, and he's crazy large. He has like a monstrous throwing arm, and it seems like he's like super calculated and doesn't really care about anything else but his main goal. They start to cover like you know how he even came to be a Titan and like who he was as a child and how that affected him and how he became who he is today. And to me, I love stories like that because I like to relate with the bad guy in a little bit. Uh, I want to know why you're a bad guy, (laughs) like apply logic to it for some reason. Um, And it's just so freaking satisfying the story that they gave him, like the writers, kudos to them because it's amazing. I can't wait to see how it ends. Like I'm literally waiting on my toes, but I heard that it's not coming until 2022. Uh, uh, So, okay. So I'm going to zoom out for a second. So for people who Mm -hmm. don't know, Attack on Titan. um, So I've only watched the first quarter of the first season. I just started it. And I know, so I know, but I know enough because the main dude, okay, I don't want to spoil things, but I think like nine or 10 episodes in the main dude, something, a twist happens with him. And, mm, okay. So, but to zoom out a little bit, um, spoilers, spoilers, I know, I know, I know. So attack on Titan imagines this world, um, where I essentially the last remnants of humanity are in these fortress cities that is basically in like a series of circles within each other and each um perimeter of the circle is a barrier and in in this world um humanity is being attacked by these massive human-esque um kaiju titans that are like just terrifying renditions of humans like and it's so much more than that they're like human-esque but they're like huge and they have these like sickly grins on their faces and they just will (laughs) eat people and so it it's like it's kind of like what happened if humanoid kaiju attacked bossing say from airbender like oh yes kind of like that and um it it is so chelsea your choice is amazing because those things the titans are terrifying yes and it's crazy because and i really want you to get deeper into it because then you find out like where these titans actually come from who they actually are. There's differences in the Titans. Some are brainless and some are intelligent, you know, like, but they're all like terrorizing these walls, right? So once they get into the walls, they are hungry, right? So who else are they gonna feed on other than the people? 
So now the people who are inside of these walls have to figure out a way to stay safe, to rebuild their wall, and to protect from future titans because they have no way of identifying you know, how they operate. They have no idea of identifying where they're even coming from. You know, a lot of these people were born inside these walls for like generations. So they don't even know, you know, if there's a world outside of them. A lot of them haven't even seen the water or the ocean or anything like that. And so it's 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 literally a crazy story that you just have to watch. It's like, and you have to see it's, it. It's four seasons right now. It's four seasons, and there's a lot of episodes in each season, and it's so rich in story that it leaves you hanging on the end of your seat. I've been following since, I want to say, way back in 12, 2012, 2013, like one of those early years, I've been following and just waiting for each season to come out. Um, And now, like, it came out, the last final season came out. And I didn't want it to be like another Game of Thrones, right? Ah! Where it's like, you've kind of been building up all this time, and then they kind of let you down at the last minute. I was hoping it wasn't. But it's turning out to be even sweeter. That is great. (laughs) And then they only gave uh, it to us in halves. So now I'm waiting for that second half. And then that's it. And then it's, it's wrapped up. Then it's done. Oh my! But it's God. wrapping up nicely. So good. Okay, John, talk to us. Yeah, you're probably wondering why that entire segment, where Brian and Chelsea were nerding out on Titans, I was dead silent. I was actually in the room, the digital room. Um. So yeah, he forgot to uh, do yeah, some important yeah. recording things for his end. So it was <laughs> just uh, me and dear Chelsea talking about Attack on Titan, which is honestly. <laughs> Honestly, not a bad way to start my Monday <laughs> evening. So, but um, we'll link it. Anyways, Chelsea. Hi. Thank you. Hi. So, um, we were talking about Attack on Titan. And um, just an overall, like, vibe check. Like, you're in Atlanta. Yes. What's happening in Atlanta? Because it's, like, sunny right now. I'm in Santa Cruz. <laughs> it's, like, 70 not a cloud in the sky what's the picture on your end of things so i think we're in hurricane season over here on the east coast uh so it's been a lot of rain lately um it's crazy because it's both dark clouds and clear sky outside but the wind is like blowing like crazy um so it's been knocking out like power and the internet and things like that i'm like no please um, but yeah, it's just really rainy over here lately. Um, hopefully we get past that soon and get back to more sun because nobody wants to deal with rain during the summertime. Mm-mm. Is it humid? Very. <gasps> You've never been to Atlanta. Oh. It's, it's very thick and humid out here. Um, you know, My housemate's from Savannah or lived in Savannah for a long time and now she's here and she tells me stories and I'm like, I don't. I don't think my body could survive humidity. <laughs> you know, it's it's bad. I'm not even going to front you. It is bad um, and thick. But I've also lived in California, like Southern California, where it was just dry heat. Mm-hmm. And to me, that sucks the soul out of you more than, mm-hmm. you know, moisturizing mm-hmm. heat, I want to say. <laughs> moisturizing uh, so heat. I'll take it. <laughs> We're all, we. Yeah. Go for it, Brian. 
you go. Oh, I was just going <laughs> to intro you, man. I was just going to say, I've, we're all gathered here today to talk about um, the hoverer who yes. is mm -hmm. modeled after my dear, dear, dear friend, King Ghidorah, mm -hmm. um, a uh, Godzilla villain who yeah. uh, is a three-headed dragon. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, so, John, walk us through. what What's the hoverer about? Yeah, yeah. So I'm sure a lot of people out there have heard of the hovering art director. There's a Tumblr blog about it, hovering art directors, hovering creative directors, and there's all these pictures of one or many art directors, clients, project managers, whoever it really is, hovering behind a designer while they're at their computer, telling them to do different things, giving them various feedback. And it's it's something you see. You've, we've all seen it, especially before the pandemic, when we're all in the same room working together. We've all experienced it as designers coming up in our career. Um, and, you know, collaboration is really good. Collaboration is wonderful. But when you are in that environment, it doesn't really feel super collaborative. It sort of feels like you're literally just, you know, a hand on a mouse and a hand on control C and control V, and someone is just telling you, what to do. And so that that is the hover. That is exactly what that is. And the reason why it was modeled after one of Brian's uh, many monster appreciations uh, is because of those three heads. And it, it always feels like it is more than one person because people quickly join in. Uh, and so that that definitely represents this monster really well. And what's interesting about this is we've just gone through this past year and a half or so where we, a lot of us, especially designers, have been working remotely. And so that means we've been working through things like Slack, Figma, Sketch, a lot of these really collaborative programs. And we, I think we're still experiencing it. And so I thought it'd be really interesting to talk to Chelsea because she is a product designer. We both work at the same studio. I'm repeating that because this is the stuff that I was saying not realizing I didn't hit the record button earlier. So yeah, Chelsea and I are, are you know, both designers. Uh, we work at YML, which is a product design agency. And we're in Figma a lot. And you, in Figma, you get to see all the cursors moving around. I'm pretty sure 99% of the designers listening to this know what we're talking about. But <laughs> And for those who don't, what's Figma? So, yeah, for those who don't, because I know that, you know, we're kind of bringing in, you know, people who are like film industry folk and, and a bunch of other people because we all sort of operate with this design mentality. But for those who have not worked in Figma, it's basically like picture yourself working in Photoshop. You got your cursor, you're moving things around, but then you have like 30 other cursors moving around doing things in that same artboard. That's Figma. And it's really wonderful. But at times... When you're moving your cursor around and you see these, you know, three or four other cursors start to move in towards your cursor and they're just sort of moving, it's exactly what it was like back in the old days when we were in the same office and you'd have a few people start to pile in behind your desk and watch what you're doing. And it can be really intimidating and it can kind of take that, that experience to a less 
creative space. So we thought it'd be awesome to to talk about this monster because there is a 1.0 and I think there's a 2.0 right now. And it's definitely something that we should address because it gets in our way of doing our best work. Yeah. You know, Chelsea, what, what was that like pre-pandemic? How did you experience that before when you're actually more in the same office working with other people in a physical space? Yeah, it was it was quite terrible, um, especially as a junior designer, someone who's not really too sure of herself yet or, you know, your design decisions. It can be really intimidating, you know, to have somebody hovering over you and judging every, you know, thing that you make or every decision that you make. And like, well, you're not even giving me a chance to think, you know, hold on, hold on. Let me get it out first. Um, and so, like, when I was a junior designer, I used to work at this other agency and uh, I felt so overwhelmed by it. I couldn't sit at my desk and work because I felt like people were, were over my shoulders looking at me or um, I was too afraid to fail and make a mistake. So I used to hide out in this little library nook area, take my laptop with me and would just jam away because it was where I could go to just think and get all my creative ideas out without that pressure. Um, now, uh, <laughs> in post-pandemic world, um, I've gotten a little bit smarter with how I manage um, the hover. Um, and typically in Figma, I tend to cover up that little that little bar up at the top on my laptop with tape. So that way I don't see how many people are actually in here who could potentially be looking at me. Wow, now, interesting. Okay. That doesn't really change it doesn't really change the fact if you see someone's cursor right there. So normally I usually have like another file open that's like a personal file and I can go over there mm -hmm, and just mm -hmm. brain dump all my creative ideas out. And then when I'm like very sure of myself, I'll bring it back over like, oh yeah, yeah. I was already thinking about that. Don't worry about it. Um, but I, I really don't like the hover for the simple fact that it's, it's really weird to be watched and creating something, right? Because it, mm -hmm. it's normally coming from a, a place of instinct. And if somebody yeah. is judging that instinct, then you start to second guess yourself and your own instincts. And so I yeah. feel like that stifles my creativity. It gives me a sense of creative paralysis in a way, and I'm stuck. And normally, like, if I feel so overwhelmed, I have to step away from my laptop and come back when nobody else is there, which really sucks. I want to be able to yeah. collaborate with my teammates and bounce ideas off, but don't judge it prematurely um, yeah. when I'm still in brainstorming mode. You know what I'm saying? Um, totally. But yeah, that's, that's really how I dealt with it. And even then, um, outside of, like, me being in a creative field, I've experienced that in my other, you know, past jobs where you might have, like, uh, a client or somebody who you're maybe, like, doing commissions for or something like that um, who wants to be updated every two seconds, who wants to be part of the process, which normally I'm okay with, but if you're going to second guess and question every single thing, then you're not really hiring me for my skill and for, you know, all the studying and, and knowledge that I have to bring to the table. Instead, you just want me to be your production. And I hate that. Yeah. I'm not a machine. Yeah. I'm really not. So please <laughs> don't hover totally. over me. Let me be my creative self. I fully empathize. I don't work in Figma. Um, as a copywriter, I typically work in uh, Google Docs, but they're the same, very similar concepts. And it's so funny. I do the same thing when I know there's a lot of people in the doc. I go create my own little <laughs> private doc and I'm like, nobody can find me here. 
<laughs> I'm safe in my own bubble. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> yeah, I, def- I definitely relate with that. It's, it's interesting because I feel like no matter like what, where, where you're at or what you're working on, there's, you know, there's always going to be with these collaborative tools, like you're saying, someone else that's working on it because that ideally is, is how we're supposed to be collaborating on this stuff. But I think what's interesting is because we're finding that this really is like how we're working, we wouldn't have done this, even though we've had these collaborative tools in the past when we were in the same space, it allowed us to do some of this remote work, but there was a lot of this like person to person work we were doing. There was sort of that built in understanding. Like I almost feel like it was better before it is right now, you know, like maybe you'd have a couple people in the same room, but that required them to physically walk up, stand there, make themselves known and that presence be behind you when you can actually, you could actually converse, you know what I mean? And have like a human interaction. But I think now the hover is almost worse because of this sort of like remote, fully remote environment we're in. I think there are a ton of pluses to it. I actually think that working remote in this field is really wonderful. I really like it. I feel like I work with more people like yourself, Chelsea, who I wouldn't be able to work with, you know, as directly as I would otherwise. And so I think it's really awesome. But I think this is one of those things that we kind of got to figure out a little bit. Mm -hmm. And you have to do it with, I think, empathy. And so it's, I think, a way that we sort of work through this is, you know, how does this affect you? What is this like? You know, I, I know that it's easy to go, oh, we're working in silos if we're pulling stuff out. But I think we have to have that space. I feel the same, even when I'm just doing more of that art direction type of work and I'm pulling swipe in and finding, you know, images to try to create a mood board or whatever. I'm doing that in Figma and I'll copy and paste it for sure into those documents once I do it. So I do the exact same thing. Um, I'm curious, like if if putting yourself in a situation, so say like, you know, as you're moving through your career, you start to build that team up under yourself, knowing what you know now, how would you approach it if it was more of your team and you were managing people and you'd be able to speak from, you know, this place of experience in terms of what it's been like watching that hover take shape in this post pandemic world? Yeah, I think that's a really great question. Um, And I default back to what you were saying, how, you know, we are kind of missing that, that human interaction, when someone's hovering over you and not really saying anything, I feel like it's really counterproductive. Um, You know, I can't read your thoughts. Instead, I'm assuming all these things that could be the worst in reality. So if I were a creative director, and, you know, I'm working with the team, I would a lot space for jam time for heads down time for you to get all your brainstorms out and not hover over you instead why can't i just go ahead and make some ideas myself we come together and we talk about it and collaborate together or like how sometimes we do do within yml um is have those jam sessions where we can at least talk about it and, mm-hmm. and give a little bit of that context because without the context yeah. like you know, you're just leaving comments here and there. It just feels like at this point now you're just telling me what to do rather than giving me the rationale behind it. So that way, yeah. not only can I make better decisions, you know, down the road that apply to something similar, you know, I just know that you just don't like it like this. You know, where, um, so where is having that communication is very important. Yeah. Where is that impulse coming from of like of the hoverer? to constantly like 
be I don't know checking in at the work and yeah where where is that coming from you know honestly I think this way for my own sanity that a lot of creative directors have a bunch of tabs open you know they might be on many different projects and they're probably not even have ring over you or they probably you know just have your cursor tapped on but they're not even really watching you if figma's listening out there which they probably (laughs) aren't but who knows dylan Uh, fields listen to us yeah it'd be it'd be interesting to like think about this dynamic you know from like a user experience point of view i mean which is interesting because we're using the software to create user experiences but maybe there's a better way than just that simple like making another artboard and copying pasting it in speaking of partitions chelsea i want to go back to something you were just talking about um like you know theoretically in the future when you're creative director and you're having these you know designated jam sessions that so the idea there is that we can just you can let out all your creative ideas yeah unencumbered yeah. Yeah. And I had one of these um, before um, on a, another project where we called them moonshot jams mm. or moonshot sessions where people can just hang out on Zoom. And if you have something that you want to talk about, you know, call it to attention. Let's all go over there and talk about it. But other than mm-hmm. that, everyone's in their own lane, minding their own business and might have some music going on in the background. But we're all still there with each other. So if you need to yeah. have these conversations, or raise it now, you know? And I think mm. it, it works out smoothly because now you're not just going down the rabbit hole and creating things alone and then waiting, you know, hours for that creative director to come around and be ready to actually give you the feedback. Yeah. And then it yeah. ends up being too late, you know? You have these these um, designated moments where we can all be together, we can all talk about it as a team and get shit done. But just like identifying lanes and encouraging people like, yo, this is your safe space. Yeah. Because I, man, I, because going back to what you said, Chelsea, about we have to honor the creative process. It's like, so it's like going back to your work as an illustrator. Um, As I understand it, you do, uh, you work with oils and acrylics. I do. I do. Mainly oils. I'm just starting with acrylics. (laughs) Oh, I saw. Okay. After this, we'll tell everybody we're like they can find you i love your work it is amazing i was just looking at that piece of the woman with the dress with the hot air balloon and the i think it was the chinese lanterns oh nice i know exactly what you're talking about yeah oh it's so good but it's like i i try to imagine it from that perspective like can you imagine if you approach the canvas and you start playing with color and then all of a sudden somebody hops in you're like, hmm, I don't know about that palette. <laughs> Why are you using oil? Why not acrylics? <laughs> I would buy. I would literally yeah, <laughs> get yeah. out of my studio right now. <laughs> Please. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, you're, you're absolutely right. And that's the reason why I started to pursue painting. This is my safe space. And I have, you know, processes and, that I have in place in which I create. The same thing with design. I have processes in place in which I create, you know, whether you're searching for inspiration, whether you're just, you know, brain dumping some things, whether you're just testing things out to see if it works or not. I think I can totally relate with that. And I think that as designers, I think it's perfectly acceptable to like speak all the way up to the top and be like, hey, here's how my process works. Feel free to look at it, but let's figure out that place or time 
when we want things to be reviewed. I think that that would help a lot. So how do you imagine, Chelsea, with, you know, respect to what John said and what we've been talking about here, like, we're in this Figma world, and now some of us are going back to the office. I think you're still going to be working remotely, but, like, how do you imagine this kind of, this how this is going to look like going forward? I think we really just have to communicate, you know, and I'm I'm also speaking to Chelsea as the designers too. You know, we really need to communicate with the creative directors and let them know how it impedes the creative process um, and together come up with a way that works best for not just the creative director, but also for the designer as well. So that way things are more productive. Um, things aren't, you know, you're not getting feedback too early and everybody's working together. So I think that really is like the baseline of it is we're going to have to start communicating with these people and actually let them know how it affects and how it impacts the way that you're designing. Um, so that way they can take into account. And like John says, you know, realize when you're hovering back off. Give me some space. Maybe you can come yeah, back in. Yeah. <laughs> Close that <Yeah>. tab. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like take a break. You know, you'll yeah, you'll yeah. be surprised when you come back. I promise. Yeah. But, go yeah, watch yeah. some Attack on Titan. Just right. yeah, go go. Just watch some some big boys just munch on some little humans. Right. Bring bring your stress levels down. And that's kind of how the hover feels in a way. It feels like a tiny yeah. kind of shadowing over oh, it, ready to wow. munch on all of our ideas and destroy it. Okay, we see. Yeah. Connected oh, I like the dots. <laughs> <laughs> so here, it all here's something too, like, you know, par- part of what, you know, our, our way of, you know, using these like analogies, right? These metaphors yeah. to speak to these monsters one is making sure like you know the monster really is like this separate thing it's almost like a demon that's possessing you know the client or the designer or the boss or whoever or it's like this cloud that hangs over the whole process right so like detaching it from the people and speaking to it as that thing there's there always seems to be one at it comes from somewhere right so it a lot of times this stuff you know like we talked about scope creep scope creep when you you take away sort of the negative connotations of it it comes from a place of usually the client saying like actually i want to do more which is not necessarily a bad thing egomaniac is really sometimes just a messy way of us figuring out our confidence so it's not really a bad thing if you think about it that way for for the hover i i actually am kind of curious like maybe we could talk about that like what about it actually is coming from like a really good place like if you're putting yourselves in in future creative director chelsea's shoes that that desire to like really like have your eyes on the work that your team is doing where do you think that might come from i think that what you're saying is correct i feel like it does come from a desire to still be in the process the process of the project right you want to see where it's going and avert any you know skewing away from where it needs to be going um so you want to watch and if something's going wrong you want to catch it ahead of time and say something Mm -hmm. Um, so i can see where it could be coming from from that angle 
Or yeah. maybe you just want to keep tracking along on how the project's going because maybe you have a project manager who's, you know, questioning and asking how things are going. And so you're tracking along that way. That's how I can see it in a good way. <laughs> yeah, mean I mean, case, but yeah, I, I do see yeah. that, you know, they want to be the overseer and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. And I think, you know, trying to look at, at that side is, is, is good because it's always going to, a lot of these things are, they're always going to be there, right? These are, there's, they're never, they're not really going away. They're, they're always going to surface all of these monsters that we're going to keep talking about and uncovering and applying names to, they're always going to be there. And so I think that the best way we're able to break them down and then learn how to like embrace them a little bit is going to help us. So I think like what you're saying, you know, about it coming from a place of someone who's driving a project, wanting to be a part of the process one, you know, so that they can, you know, catch some things like, Hey, I think it actually needs to be like this. That's a good place because they're, they're, they're on it. They're not just like, whatever, do whatever you want. They're like, no, I I do have a vision for this. I'm really tightening it with, with, you know, the people who are managing the project with the client. And so they want to make sure that they're helping guide things. And then also just like keeping tabs on the progress to make sure that we're, we're on track with the timeline. Those are really great things. And the more we can be successful at those things as a team, the more successful the, the projects are going to be, the products, you know, the, the more impact they're going to make. You know, what's really funny is when John first approached me about um, the hover and, and joining you guys on this awesome podcast, I was really nervous because I didn't really <laughs> think that I would have a point of view to really add. Um, and I was talking to my husband about it. I was like, you know, I'm really nervous. I don't know what to talk about. Um, but as I started talking to him about my own experiences, I realized I had a lot to talk about. I had a lot, you know, especially not yet being a senior in my field. But I do remember that junior stage. I do remember how I feel even now and really sat down and thought about, well, what would actually work for me? Um and then from there, I was able to really start to apply the logic and understand how the creative director might be feeling, but also what I might need as well. Um, now, I'm not saying I have yet to communicate with my own creative directors, um, <laughs> but it's on the to-do list. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it's, great. There's a little bit of fear that comes with, you know, speaking up for yourself and, you know, trying to champion that space for yourself because you yeah. start to think like, well, do I deserve to say that? Does this come across a little bit confrontational? Would the creative director take this wrong? But like John said, like we're all human. We all come from the same place. We're all creatives yeah. at heart. Um, and there should be a level of empathy between you and your team that should allow you to be able to connect with them without any fear. So I'm talking to myself totally. as well. <laughs> No, yeah, that's great. That's awesome. I love it. Well yeah, put. It's yeah, it's a nice yeah. And it's what I what I like too is it just all these things feel actionable, right? Mm -hmm. Totally. Um, it's it's yeah, it's the kind of thing where you can just like I mean, hopefully ideally, you know, yeah. open up these conversations. Um yeah. and yeah, it, it's and it's interesting because it sounds like Chelsea it will need to not just be implemented like it like how does the technology reflect this change 
So like, what are some ways, mm -hmm. I don't know, like what are some ways that Figma can help? Like, mm. you know, like how can they, I, I, I don't know. I mean, that's I, a uh, really great question. <laughs> that's a really yeah. good question. And I don't know, because, you know, the, the technology and the platforms can do whatever they can do at the end of the day. But what really comes down to the meat of it is the humans that are involved. So, yeah, like even now I have my own techniques that work for me, but it doesn't stop it from happening, right? Um, I really think that it's more on that human communication level that needs to be had. Uh, I think if we were looking for a quick solution right now, it would be cool <laughs> if maybe like allowed for people to turn on and off, like hide themselves, right? Because now it doesn't mm -hmm. present like I'm watching you and you can see my cursor hovering above you right. and you can still create freely without feeling like I'm there. Um, yeah, yeah. That's something that could work in the short term, but long term, it still needs to come down to you need to communicate how you're feeling. Yeah. I would love a hide feature, like even on, um, even on Google Docs. Yeah. Or like, mm -hmm. and it, yeah, I mean, just like, dude, I'm not, but then it's like, how do you see the work? Oh, I don't know. That's, but that's. No, it's, yeah, it's interesting. Like you'd see the work. I almost feel like if you're being able to have a feature of like, you know, incognito or whatever, you know, where you, you're moving around looking at something in Figma, but it's not showing your cursor to your team might just help because then you're able to like, look at what they're doing, keep tabs on it, but you're not like overwhelming someone by like <laughs> this little cursor moving around. Right. So, yeah. That could be interesting, right. you know? Until I, you uh, see somebody start building some designs or on an art board and is like a phantom because they hit themselves. Maybe that's, that's part of the function. <laughs> when you're doing that, you're not allowed to touch anything. Ah. That could be interesting. Oh, right? oh my God! I can just imagine review, review some only, like review only. You're not allowed blade. to build anything. Yeah. Oh, I would like that. Dylan Field, <laughs> Better. are you listening? Yeah, yeah. I think we solved it. <laughs> uh, we did it. We did it. We call. Let's call it a day, We're guys. <laughs> We're done. Um. So, let's uh. Sorry, I'm doing this as I'm ordering DoorDash because I'm realizing it's uh, by the time it gets there. Yeah, dude, I just ordered some Korean barbecue. It's gonna be great. Ooh. Um, oh, I'm excited. <laughs> so okay, oh, I'm ready. So, um, so kind of moving on, I think to like the last little bit here, closing it out. Um, I think what we're gonna be doing from here on out is you know opening things with a favorite monster, and then closing things out with um, a monster slayer. Yeah. And uh, mm -hmm. still playing within the um, the sandbox of Attack on Titan. Yay! Chelsea, <laughs> Chelsea, walk us through. Who were you thinking as a monster slayer? Okay. I actually took a couple of days to think through these monsters and monster slayers because I feel like I really had to go back and really process all the villains and monsters I've come across, and there's been so many, but <laughs> staying in the realm of Attack on Titans, <laughs> I would definitely have to say Eren, but a close second was Levi. I digress. Anyways, um, 
I would say Aaron. So Aaron was someone who he's the, he's the main character of the story, right? He's the protagonist. Um, but he was been affected since he was a child. You know, when the the Titans first came and you know destroyed the wall that his his family and you know everyone that he knew lived in. It happened when he was at a really young age, and it set up the story really. Um, so brutal. Huh? Oh yeah, it's yeah. So brutal. It's so okay. I've seen the yeah, yeah. It's so for someone someone like me who has not ventured into this at all. Give me a little bit of a a little bit a, of a background on on, on a titan. A, a titan eats his family. So yeah. a giant, mm-hmm. a kaiju. It's his mom. Right, right, right. Yes. And just snaps her in half. He's right mm-hmm. there. Right. And he's right he just there. Made it yeah. the house after all the destruction and the Titans are like crashing through, you know, the city and everything like okay. that. Him and his best friend are running back to their, their childhood home where his mom is at only to find his house is in destruction. His mom was literally laying in the rubble barely alive and is picked up and eaten by a titan right in front of him like hunch titan it was crazy because (laughs) you can only imagine how that could traumatize a kid that's ridiculous but Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it made him you know very passionate about eradicating the titans because he's like you know you came in you destroyed my home you eat my mom I gotta, I gotta kill you at this point, right? Like, it just doesn't make sense. Um, so he goes into, and he joins the military with his best friend. And, you know, his whole ambition and drive is about, you know, defeating the Titans. Um, only to find out that he is also a Titan himself. And <laughs> it, it happens out of nowhere. It happens That's what I you. saw, Yeah. It happens oh. out of nowhere. And he's like, whoa, you know, what's going on? And everybody's like, whoa, what's going on? You know, because this is a threatening creature that's already, mm-hmm. you know, that they're like training to fight and everything like that. So yeah. he ends up becoming a Titan and he has to learn how to use these abilities. Because at first, you know, he's repulsed by it. You know, he doesn't want to be a Titan. He kind of wants to die because, hello, mm-hmm. that kind of defeats the purpose of his whole goal and his ambition. Yeah. So yeah. he he takes that time to actually learn what it means to be a Titan, where he got it from. And they do a lot of digging into like how he even became a Titan, which the story is great. So make sure you go watch it. Um, <laughs> and then he uses that power to, you know, fight alongside of the military, which is amazing. Gotcha. And literally, I don't understand how they would have done it without him, to be honest. Um but he also finds out like there's other titans within the wall as well. So now you have like this whole, you know, thing that's mm-hmm. happening within the wall where you have to figure out yourself. You have to figure out who are the, yeah. the snakes in the group. Uh, but you're also trying to protect the people, you know, that you grew up with. You know, all the mm-hmm. all the people that live in the wall and stuff like that. Yeah. After after a while, this man he gets so jaded so tired of the fight that he's just like you know what no i'm killing anything and everything i'm kind of tired of all the all the politics and and being the good guy like now i'm going to be me and make some stuff happen and that's what's happening in this last season so that's why i really like him because interesting 
Yeah. For me, I love a character with ambition and drive. I really love it because myself <laughs> for that. <laughs> Uh, so the drive and the passion and ambition is like there. It's like a fire, and you're like, yeah, I feel you. I'm right there with you, Aaron. I'm right there with you. So when he wins, we win, and I love that for him. And when he fails, we're like, dang, how can we come back from it? And he <laughs> <does>. <laughs> That's how I love. That's how I love him. So I love it. yeah, That's awesome. I yeah, I would, I would rec- atta- recommend Attack on Titan for anybody Rack who attack. likes. likes um, Attack on Titan for anybody who likes kaiju stuff and wants to see somebody turn into a kaiju. Um, yeah, I need to check this out. This sounds it's awesome. It's like, it's, it's, it's great. It is, and I need it talking about, I've been on like a, I got distracted with some sci-fi, but you're reminding me like I need to come back. Get on it, man. Get on it. I Dude, do. No, you're right. I do want to recommend uh, another something. Oh, do it, uh, do it, do it, do it. Okay. Please. Yeah. I, I, I wanted to stay in the same topic or whatever, but okay. yeah. the yeah. close second for me was this uh, webtoon called Sweet Home. Now, do not watch the Netflix adaption. Don't, just, just don't <laughs> do it. But it's so good. The story is so good. And it's about this kid who, you know, he's living by himself because his whole family died. He's like riddled with guilt. So he's like really depressed, suicidal. Mm -hmm. Uh, And there's this whole monsteration attack that's actually happening where people unknowingly, you know, how are turning into monsters. Their nose are bleeding. They're turning into monsters. And Mm -hmm. they turn into a monster of their desire. And so he ends up becoming one as well, but it's like actually fighting back for it. And he's fighting all these monsters, meanwhile, trying to protect everybody that's in this high rise that's living there with him. And then also get everybody to safety. Nobody knows what's happening outside of this high rise. And there's a really good story by Carnaby Kim. And I want to say his name is Young Chan um, on Webtoons. I definitely recommend checking it out. It's a really amazing story. And the Netflix adaption just does not do it justice whatsoever. So I'm going to look up. <laughs> oh, dude. So we a have theme Attack here on Titan. And, these, and we have these, these monster home. slayers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I like this. <laughs> I, I mean, listen, I'm like wearing my Godzilla shirt. We like, love to see it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> we do. I have my Mothra sweatshirt back here. Um, anyways, so... Uh, Chelsea, you've set us up for success. Yay. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Successful work you. and successful monster viewing. Yes. 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 Seriously. <laughs> and like, I really want to, I want to encourage people who don't watch anime, who don't watch just one episode, 22 minutes of your time, mm-hmm. 22 mm-hmm. minutes. Watch the first episode of Attack on Titan. That's all. I'm doing that. I'm going to do that right after yeah. this. Oh, I always shit. recommend the people I'll that report too. back. It's back! The spider's back! <laughs> oh my god. It's time. Fuck! We should probably, we this should probably is my end shot. It's a prank. Okay, go okay. I gotta, slay the, the monster known as I gotta go kill spider. the spider. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. Chelsea. Oh wait, Chelsea, where can people find you? Yes. Oh, yeah. okay. Before Brian gets so, eaten. 
So you can find me um, on my personal accounts on Twitter and Instagram at Ocello. It's O-H-C-H-E-L-L-L-O. Like Jello with three L's. Anyways, um, and you can also find my art Instagram at Chelsea Kinley on Instagram. Awesome. I can test. They are are wonderful accounts. I follow them. And I think you'll you'll It's been a pleasure. I have to kill this spider. (laughs) <laughs> Thanks so for having me. It's been so nice talking to you. Dude, <laughs> you as well. Kill it, fight it, kill it. Okay, I'm going to go guys. kill it. Bye. Bye. <laughs>